What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Welcome, welcome. Hey, way to start off the new year. I know it's not officially 2024 yet, but you're doing a great job. So give yourself a pat on the back for making it to church today. We have a very special Sunday for you guys. My name is Matt Henderson. My wife and I get to campus pastor here at South End, and today we have what's called a five on five. Everybody say it with me, five on five. What that means is we have five communicators who each get five minutes. So you're gonna get five messages today. You're gonna get slapped with the Holy Spirit five different times and five different ways. So get ready for it. Uh, the way this works, though, is a participatory. That's a big word, if you didn't know that. It's over three syllables, I think. That's pretty big. So you guys have to participate with us, meaning that I want you to uh, be loud. I want you, you need to amen, okay? You need to amen today. It's okay to amen up in church. You can say, come on, white boy. You can say that. That's okay. You can say, bring it, girl. You can say that too. But we want you guys to be interactive, and I want you to really um, get involved in these messages because they're really good. And they're dialed back to five minutes, which I'm telling you is probably the hardest thing about this is to get a message about Jesus crammed into five minutes. So we need you guys to be engaged. We're gonna have a countdown. So at one minute, they have five minutes to start, but at one minute you'll see this. It's more for the communicators, so just so you guys can be a part of it as well. And then we'll have a 30 second. And then after that, they're gonna be tying up their messages and we'll be bringing up the next communicator. So what I want you to guys to do each time is jump to your feet, make a lot of noise, act like you're at, well, not the Panthers because you don't cheer much at the Panthers, but... <laughs> Act like you're at something else that you get really excited about and jump to your feet and celebrate on the front end and the back end. But, sorry, Panthers. Next year is a new year. We're almost in a new day. But listen, I'm gonna introduce our first communicator today. He hails from Charlotte. He's been at South End since the, beginning, the very beginning of this campus. He is a dad. He's married to a Freedom House staffer. He has two beautiful girls he is a leader of our strong South End Men's Ministry, which we have this first Saturday, January 6th. By the way, shameless plug, we're here Saturday morning at 8 a.m. for our South End to kick off 2024, so come to that. Um, he has two phones, which is honestly like a red flag for me, because <laughs> somebody has a burner, that's, something's going on there. <laughs> he was voted best hair in high school. He won homecoming King in college, and he is your future mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm just going to tell you right now, stand up for Anthony Mendez. Come on. 11.1 says that now faith is the conviction, or faith is the assurances of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. This is going to be my guiding verse for today. Everyone repeat after me. Home alone, alone. weakness, Weakness. declare. Declare. I'm going to use these three points to help unpack how remaining hopeful in your convictions leads to building your faith even when you can't see the way. So our series title, The Thrill of Hope, comes from the, is a tag from the Christmas, classic Christmas carol, Oh Holy Night. For me, whenever I hear that song, it immediately takes me to a scene in one of my favorite Christmas movies, which is, come on. So in the scene, we see young Kevin McAllister, eight-year-old Kevin McAllister walking into church because he is hopeless. Why? Because he made his family disappear. He thinks he did at least, right? 
And because he's been battling the wet bandits for two nights with the third bout on the way, all in the effort to be able to protect his home, his stately home, his magnificent home. Hopefully they got a picture they can throw up behind me. And because, because all of this is to protect his home, it's a, Harry and Marv themselves, they refer to it as a prize fish. That's the silver tuna, Marv. And you see, Kevin McAllister in this situation is dealing with the predicament that he doesn't feel he's competent in being able to achieve. He can't see his way out. He doesn't know if he's strong enough or smart enough to be able to achieve the task at hand. It is here where his point number two, weaknesses are exposed. And weaknesses, they're not something that we like to talk about, let alone recognize. So let's park here for a second. What does the Bible have to say about weakness. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, it says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is God talking to Paul. So comma, Paul responds, so I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. Y'all, we're supposed to boast in our weakness. How crazy is that? When was the last time you boasted about one of your weaknesses? We don't even like to recognize them. Why? It's because in our weaknesses where God has the most opportunity to be able to do work. So let me boast about one of mine real fast to be vulnerable. Y'all, I have always struggled with a poverty mindset. It ties back to my childhood. I don't have time to unpack it, but I've, it's always been there. And just recently, it was really tested because Jessica and I were called to purchase a second home. Well, really, Jessica got a word from God, and she was kind enough to pull me along in the process. But nonetheless, we, so I told, I told her and God, hey, if this is from you, you need to show us a way to be able to maintain our first property. And I thought for sure this would stop the transaction in its tracks. And, but you know what? Here's what happens when you test God. Hey, he shows up. And y'all, he showed up big for us. He showed us, he showed us a way to maintain our first property. And on top of that, he led us to a house that checked all of our boxes. All that was left for us to be able to do was bring enough cash to the closing table to be able to seal the deal. And y'all, I'm looking at the spreadsheets. I'm calculating our cash flow. And we're not gonna have enough to be able to seal the deal. Y'all, my poverty mindset wanted to kick in so bad. I wanted to cut and run, but I couldn't because people were counting on us. And so this is where, even though I couldn't see the way, I had to, point number three, declare God's promises into our situation. Just like Kevin had a battle plan to protect his house, I needed to have a battle plan to be able to see this situation through, even though I couldn't see it. So y'all, and just to be clear, declare does not mean that you step back and say, God, you got this, and I'm gonna like just see you on the other side. No, we had to continuously step in and pray about the situation at hand. How do you go about doing that? What does the Bible say? What are promises that you can read over your life? Well, the Bible says you are the head and not the tail. It says you are above and not below. It says you are a leader, not a follower. It says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You were, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. We've already talked about weakness. And on top of that, it says that you were bought at a cost. Speak those things into your situation and see if God doesn't show up on your behalf. I double, triple dog dare you. That's another Christmas movie reference for you. But so on top of that, now let me, let me tie it all together, right? So this past Thanksgiving, Jessica's family's coming into town to be able to see, to see, to see our, they're coming into town for Thanksgiving and swing by the house. And our eight-year-old nephew, same age as young Kevin McAllister, he goes, dude, your house looks like the Home Alone house. Jessica and I brush it off because our house does not look like a $2.6 million house that's five bedroom, five bath. It does not. But you know what? The Lord convicted me in this. Our, our house is a prize fish. It is a silver tuna. 
Not because it's our house, but because it's God's house. And because it will forever be an example where Jessica and I will be able to explain to our girls how we, Hebrews 11.1, how we stood strong in our faith, even though we couldn't see the way and remained hopeful because we declared God's promises in our life. Thank you so much. Mendez, little did you know you'd be living in the Home Alone Palace. That was a great word. I love that though. In all seriousness, what I took away from that is no matter what circumstance you're facing, there's a God who shows up and he shows up in our weakness. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome, Mendez. Our next communicator is a mighty woman of God. She is fearless on so many levels. You know, when COVID hit, I don't wanna steal her story, but she stood firm and stood tall for the Lord and she, she was unwavering. And I'll never forget when she shared that she had a promise that she now gets to share came to fruition on the very platform in the house that God first gave it to her. This woman is amazing. She pours out to so many people. She gives back. She serves in FH Kids and is a rock star. Y'all jump to your feet and give it up for Dr. Christine Schmeier. God gave me a vision eight years ago when I was sitting getting my doctorate degree that I would be a doctor in a school that was biblically based, grounded in patriotic freedom. Uh, and would celebrate freedom for children and also celebrate health. And I had no idea how God was gonna fulfill it, but honestly, I just kind of shoved it away. And that vision ended up being fulfilled after walking through the most painful months of my entire life. See, I moved here in 2019 to open a health practice, and I started seeing miraculous healing at my practice, and I was running around Charlotte, and then COVID hit. And with about, within about two minutes of COVID, I realized it was very clear the end game was medical tyranny, usher in uh, an untested, unethical vaccination, ultimately stop the church, and then go after our children. And I had a choice as a doctor whether or not I was going to comply. My practice, my business was only a handful of months old, and I heard whispers from my other colleagues, and they were scared. What if we lose our practice? What if we lose our livelihood? What if we lose our license when we stand up to this? And I was terrified. It would be easy to comply and keep the business running, but standing up against tyranny might have been the easiest decision to make because it was the right thing to do. So I took a very public stance against the mandates. And at that time, I was about $600,000 in debt for my doctorate loans and opening up a practice, and I decided to push my chips to the middle, so $600,000 in debt. I had a staff that was depending on me so they could feed their families. I had a brand new practice and a brand new license, and I decided to push all my chips in and give them to God. So I slid my chips in, and I said, God, if it's your will that I lose it all, I'll lose it, but I will lose it fighting for what's right. At the risk of my practice, my livelihood, I worked with parents uh, against school boards, taking away theirs and their children's freedom. 
I showed up and I fought and I went to war against the principalities behind, the evil behind all of the mandates that were looking to steal your rights and your children's rights and your health rights. I put my license on the line writing mask exemptions, vaccine exemptions, showing up to board meetings. I used my doctorate degree to support pro-freedom groups and spread truth about health and healing at that time. And the world didn't like it. Overnight, I lost 50% of my business. It was painful. Washing the seat and the lies was unbearable. But in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. My fiery suffering... It was the people out standing outside of my practice harassing my patients. It was people leaving bad reviews for my business. The worst was social media. I was attacked repeatedly for months at a time. And the number one thing that was attacked was my faith. I couldn't go anywhere publicly without being harassed. I felt very alone. I lost friends. I lost families. But God was refining me in the fire. When God puts you alone, it's to work on you. And things were burned off very quickly in that time. People pleasing, expectations from the world. This was months of ridicule and pain, public and private. I was fierce in the boardrooms, but I was crying to Jesus at home. In Matthew 5.11, it said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And I can tell you that blessing was coming, and it's called Freedom Academy, the school our church started. (laughs) After two months of my church being closed, I was invited to Freedom House. Within two Sundays, I called this church home. Three, I was volunteering. And then Freedom Academy was announced. And I knew that this was the vision God gave me eight years ago, and I needed to fulfill it. Today, my business is 10 times more successful. And... I get the honor and privilege every single week of doing what no other doctor gets to do, and that's teach children how God is their healer every single week. Lay my hands on those children, teach them who their healer is every single day. I get to fight the lies of culture and pour into these kids every single week. I look back at that time in my life as one of the best because I found out who God made me to be. God, refine me to the woman that I am, and I don't know what trial you are walking through, but I do know the character of our God, and I am telling you, he will make a way for you, and he will make it good, because Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Have faith in God and his promises at all times, but especially when the world is against you. Nailed it. Great job. You know what I love most about her story and I love most about people that have great testimonies like that is it rubs off on you. 
people that have great faith, their faith will rub off on you because it empowers you and it reminds you that God's doing a work in all of us and he can use anything that happens in this world to further his glory and his gospel. And that's a great segue because the next communicator has a similar story very much like that that will em- empower your faith and hopefully rub off on you a little bit more. He is a, a great dad. He is a great husband. And if Mendez is the future mayor of Charlotte and this is your future governor, please stand up. For Tyler Lee. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. So how many of you ever heard of Newton's third law? It states that every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So think back to a time when a cell phone was just simply a communication device. You can now read your Bible on your phone, or you can search inappropriate content 24-7. When I'm away from my wife and son, I can FaceTime them, but sometimes we have a tendency when we're sitting in the same room to just be staring at our screens. So we can probably all agree at this point, we know that a cell phone can be used as a positive impact or a negative impact on our lives if we allow it. Now, if you remember Newton's third law, it states that for every action, there is a a negative or equal reaction. So the same goes for our spiritual lives. Not only do we have a Lord and Savior who reigns over all this earth, who brings us hope and joy, but there's also an enemy, Satan, who wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy us. So, so in Romans 8, 28, it says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, for everything that God creates or says, Satan always counterfeits. Jesus brings hope, Satan brings hopelessness. Now, I had a personal experience uh, a few years ago. It was for 18 months of my life. I, was, I felt like I was backed into a corner every single day, but God had given me a very specific mission, but Satan wanted to steal that mission and do all he could to deter me off that path. So it was 2021. I was a successful business owner, but God called me to burn those ships and run for United States Congress. Three months into my run, everything in my life just began to fall apart, personally and professionally. And just when I thought all hope was lost, even more hope was lost that following November. You see, there was a rising star in our party. He was an incumbent congressman, and he filed to run in the district against me. Now, in my opinion, he was better looking. I know I'm good looking, but he was better looking... He was well-spoken, and he had access to money and power, everything that politicians want. So when the world said, you need to get out of this race, God kept telling me to stay the course. And just like Satan did to Eve in Genesis, Satan was in my ear saying, did God really say that? You know, he was doing all he could to take me off that mission. Why would God want you to be a loser? Why would he want you to keep doing this? But in the middle of all that chaos, it was one Sunday, Generally, every Sunday, I spoke at different churches in the, in the district, but I, I, God told me to come here one day. This was my home church, and I sat right there on the front row where I always sit, and I met this beautiful woman after service, and shortly after that, we began dating. So fast forward a couple months, things got really crazy in the political world. In a historical fashion, the congressional maps were thrown out and redrawn, so God told me two things. In February, he said, you're going to marry that woman in June, and you're going to run in the congressional district that covers the Charlotte area. 
where no conservative has won in nearly 100 years. And I said, Lord, that is political suicide. That's crazy. Why would I do this? I'm going to look like a fool. But God said, you stay the course. So you see, God doesn't make it about the end result. He cares about building your character along the way. So I want to leave you with this. What feels hopeless in your life right now? Is it financial stress? Is it a broken relationship? Are you dissatisfied at work? I've experienced all those. We've all experienced that. And when you think all hope is lost, like I did, God showed that he was always with me and that he knew better than I did at that time. You see, although we didn't win, he prepared my character for marriage. We championed legislation to protect children for generations. And most importantly, people came to know Christ or drew closer to Christ on the campaign trail. And because of my obedience to God, I now have a beautiful wife with a six-month-old son. I'm a realtor, and I get to serve here at Freedom House. We're actually where I announced my congressional run on this platform. It's crazy that I'm standing here today getting to, getting to have this opportunity. So just a reminder that God has a grand plan that we can't see in that moment. But if you stay the course and put your hope in him, I promise you he will always take care of you. I told you guys, didn't I? I told you, didn't I? You know what I also love about that? It reminds me, there's a song lyric that says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. And you know, we all have a plan. A lot of times there are plans that God has said, hey, go do this. But it turns out that God's plan to get you there, what's going to happen between A and B is totally different than what you could ever imagine and way better than you could ever imagine because we serve a God who is way bigger than anything we could come up with inside of here. Um, our next communicator is a great man. He is a great dad, and he's a great husband, and he's a great friend. So if you need a good friend, I'll give you his number. Just hit me up after service, and I'll share his number with you before he changes it. Um, he also always has on a great pair of shoes, I'm telling you. And Romans 10 says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So today, he's got some good news for you. Will you please stand up for Paul Rundle? Good morning. It is so great to be here in the house of God today. You know, Matt and Diana actually had a bit of trouble finding the right five people to speak today. It's New Year's. Obviously, people are traveling. They started by asking the funniest person in church to speak today, and they couldn't do it. And then they asked the most eloquent, charming person to speak. They also could not do it. They Finally, they said, Let's ask the best-looking person here <laughs> to speak. And again, couldn't, couldn't do it. They, they started to get frustrated, obviously. So they said, let's ask Paul. And after turning them down all three times, I couldn't <laughs> deny it again. Thanks for your persistence, guys. So hope is the confident expectation that things will be better. Is everybody enjoying the Thrill of Hope series so far? I know we have... It's been awesome. You know, I was thinking about hope, and it, and it really is a feeling, right? Hope is a feeling. We call it feeling hopeless. We call it feeling hopeful. You can't hope your way to a new job, right? You can't hope your way to a new car. You can't hope your way to a spouse. But listen, hope requires action. What is that action? The action 
Tefillah. Tefillah is Hebrew for prayer. The root means to think, entreat, beg, judge, and intercede. Isn't that powerful? Prayer is so powerful. It is the action ingredient to our hope. So why is this the key? So I've I've come up with three C's of prayer as they pertain to hope. The first one is communicate. Prayer communicates our hope to God, right? We have to communicate it to God. Um, 10 years ago, my wife and I followed the Lord's leading to move across the country. We were expecting our son, Shepard. He's here in the front row. And uh, this, was a, this was an exciting time in our life, right? We moved across the country. We were following the Lord's leading. Didn't have a job. Didn't have a house. Six months pregnant. I would not recommend it. Okay, but we did it. We were, we were being obedient. And being broke is an understatement. This was a time where we felt, and I felt, hopeless um, until I started praying, until I started communicating, contending, and commanding for our financial stability. My hopelessness turned to hope in my heart, and hope followed by faith and obedience to God's call led my family and I to build more than we could have on our own. The verse here that really stands out is Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. God wants to hear everything. He desires relationship. God desires your whole heart. Next is prayer commands. We have this power through the Holy Spirit as believers. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't God good at supplying hope? Man, if, if you want to command through prayer, try praying God's words back to him. It gives you greater hope and peace and authority. God's word is truly the authority. Next is contends. Prayer allows us to contend for the hope that we have. Psalms 35, one, contend, Lord, for those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. As believers, we have this incredible authority to contend through prayer. If we choose to use it, we must learn to contend if we want to gain the prize, with it, which is faith. Faith is the prize. As I was studying for this, uh, I thought of, you know, there's so many scriptures that talk about hope. And I, and, I, and I started researching, what is the most hopeful verse in the Bible? And I came to Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. I'd say that this is actually the most hopeful and the most hopeless verse in the Bible. Would you not agree? Right? It's, it's, with man, all things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Life can be hopeless if you are doing life of your own power. Life can be incredibly hopeful if you, are, if you learn to communicate, command, and contend. As I think back to 10 years ago, being broke, a new parent, uh, with a baby on the way, I, I realized God was teaching me these principles. He was teaching me to communicate everything with him. He was teaching me how to command his power through the Holy Spirit and to contend and fight for a better life for my family. Really, he was teaching me that all things are possible with him if I have faith and know that he will bring the best possible outcome. Thank you.
I love it. The recipe to hope through prayer, three C's, communicate, command, contend. Isn't that powerful? We can put that into action right away in whatever circumstance we're facing. Thank you for that, Paul. Awesome message. Our last and final communicator, certainly not least, is a dear friend. This woman has been with us at South End since the beginning as well. In fact, we attended the central campus with her and her husband before we even opened South End. This woman has always been the first to say, if you need it, I'll do it. If it involves cleaning toilets, and if it involves helping with scheduling, if it involves running our kids' men, she is the first to raise her hand. She is a prayer warrior. She is a wife, a mother, not just to her two kids, but she runs our kids' ministry, and she does an amazing job raising all of our kids, doesn't she? Y'all give it up for none other than Sarah Gaither. I once traveled for 25 hours to get to a vacation spot. That sounds crazy, but we took literally a plane, train, bus, car, and ferry to get there. Now, that is a story for a different time. It's a very fun one. But does anyone else think that the journey is part of the fun, too? Like, it's not just the vacation. It's getting there. I have equally as fun stories from that journey as I have from the actual vacation. The Bible's no different. It's not an end game. The Bible takes us on a journey of hope, from Genesis to Revelation, we have hope in Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, we have prophets that point the way to salvation. As the Hebrew people circulate through a constant cycle of hearing a word from God, disobeying God, calling out to God, being obedient to God, rinse and repeat, all throughout history. So first on our journey today, we're gonna head to the book of Isaiah. So the book of Isaiah was written approximately 700 B.C., This is a time in history when the northern kingdom of Israel had totally fallen away from the Lord. The southern kingdom of Judah was not far behind. The kings were leading their people astray, and God's chosen people were not keeping their end of the covenant. Isaiah shows up. He predicts the coming Messiah, that's Jesus, the hope of Israel. Over 40 predictions in the book of Isaiah for just the first coming of Christ. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah had this hope that was unheard of at his time. He had a hope that the Messiah was coming. He had a word from God to believe in, and he had the faith to trust the Lord that what God said was going to happen. So if we go a little further in our journey, we head into the book of Luke, and we see the birth of Jesus. So in Isaiah, he predicts the Lord coming as a baby. Here we see that coming to fruition. So Mary and Joseph have had encounters with the angel Gabriel. Now that host of angels are appearing to the shepherds in the field. They're telling them all about the birth of this new king, this baby, Jesus, the promised Messiah. They run to see this baby lying in a manger, And they're witness to the Messiah, as Isaiah predicted, a baby, not the king Israel was hoping for. Mary and Joseph were devout Jews, and so they follow the Jewish custom, and they have Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. 
while in the temple, they meet a man named Simeon. And they didn't know Simeon, but he was unusually close to the Lord, which meant that at that time he was a prophet. And he spent his time praying and fasting. And in fact, he was so devout and so close to the Lord that the spirit of God was upon him. And Simeon was promised he would not die until he saw the Messiah. What a promise. In Luke chapter 2, I have seen your salvation. This is Simeon holding Jesus, talking to the Lord. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. If that's not hope, I don't know what is. The glory of heaven had come to earth. Simeon had hope. He was holding the promised Messiah. So we move on in history. We've seen Isaiah, we've seen the birth of Jesus, and now we're around 94 AD with the apostle John. So John was in Jesus's inner three. He's seen the miracles, he's seen the healing, he's seen the messages, and he was preaching the gospel in a world where that was not something that they were very fond of. And in fact, he was preaching so much, he was a thorn in the Roman side. They couldn't get rid of him. They try to torture him. They try to boil him in oil. And finally, they can't do anything about this guy. So they said, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to exile him to the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel. That didn't work. So this was their last resort. They absolutely thought he's going to be gone. There's going to be no one he can preach to. But what they actually did was set him up to receive the greatest vision of God's hope and coming glory that we have written history of. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these, things, these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. We have hope to hold on to. When God says he's making everything new, that includes you. That includes the things that you've done, the things that you don't feel good about, your shame, your guilt. Anything in your life that was not living for Christ can be made new. Let's stand to our feet. In the Gospel of John, same John that was exiled, Jesus shares a famous scripture in which he's actually rebuking the disciples. I'm sure many of you have heard it, but he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is waiting for you. Your opportunity to come to the Father is now. Jesus died on the cross. He bore your sins past, present, future. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is our King of glory, our Prince of peace. And he has come for you. He wants you to walk in close relationship with him. He wants you to be all that he has for you to be. Let's close our eyes. This moment's between you and the Lord, not anyone around you. Maybe you're here today and you are searching for answers. I'm here to tell you Jesus is your answer. Will your life be immediately easy? No. He's not a God of soul prosperity. 
but he is a God of presence, of peace. Will he always be with you? Yes, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't matter what you've done, what's been done to you. He washes all of that clean and all it takes is a simple yes. And I'm gonna give you that opportunity now. If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're ready to recommit your life for 2024 to Jesus and you're ready to start fresh, I want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Thank you. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. We're gonna pray a prayer together. Church, let's join. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to bear my sins, past, present, and future. I believe you died for me. You rose again. My sins are washed away. Come into my heart. I trust you and I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And great job, Sarah.